Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And we've got several different segments <clears throat> that we kind of do on this podcast. And what we want to do today is uh, we're just following up our Easter, Easter gathering. And so I'm sitting down with two of my pastoral residents. Uh, Kevin Noor is sick today. Uh, but I got Bryce and Amex. Hey. And I got Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? And we are sitting down having a cigar and something to drink. Um, it's the Monday after Easter. And I uh, studied this morning, came back into the office, studied this morning, getting ready for the next sermon. But this afternoon, figured we'd sit down and just do what we normally do. And that's um, go beyond the sermon here and just check in with everybody, see <clears throat> their opinions, their thoughts, their feelings about the sermons. We do this so we're constantly... Uh, it's kind of like sharpening the axe. We always want to get better, want to know what worked, what didn't work. Uh, you know, I, I say, <clears throat> you know, I say a lot of stuff and I say some stuff that, that lands pretty well and I say some stuff that doesn't land. And um, so we sit down and, and talk about it. And it's, we haven't been together a couple weeks. Uh, last week I was out. I, we had our kids spring break. <clears throat> and for pastor's appreciation, they got us a couple days in one of our favorite places in the country, and that's Bentonville, Arkansas, the mountain biking capital of the world, and also the home of Walmart. So I got to take my family down there for the first time. I used to go down there myself, meet a couple pastors, but this time I got to bring my family down to Bentonville, Arkansas, and we were really blessed and just enjoyed a few days. Uh, but then I came back on Thursday and obviously had to write, uh, write my... I didn't get ahead, all right? I'm a planner, but I didn't get ahead. And so I got back on Wednesday after Wednesday night and then Thursday morning came into the office mm. and had to write had to write my Easter sermon. So um did that on what was that? Th- yeah, did that on Thursday. Came back in on Friday. Did I do that? Something yeah. like that. You came in Friday, I saw you. Yeah, yeah. Came back in on Friday. Spent another hour or so working on it. So <clears throat> Um, and then came back in Saturday night, kind of prayed through it, just came back in Saturday night just to get my mind on it, pray through it, get my mind right for Sunday because it's the, you know, it's one of the big, it's the biggest Sunday. So if you guys didn't know, um, we had almost 600 people here, uh, on Sunday in Davenport. God. Yeah. Another 107 or 110 over there in Moline. And so that was, wait, wait, wait we had almost 500 people here, almost over six, over a hundred there. So over 600 together. Um, but pretty, just outstanding. I mean, it's an outstanding weekend overall. Good Friday was killer. I just, I mean, literally, right? Uh, But it was, it's just so powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and then, uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about it. What'd you guys think? What'd you think of uh, the sermon yesterday, third week in Fundamentals? So we get like a new choir director or... (laughs) <laughs> or what? What? What was going on? He was getting your praise and worship on, brother. Listen, man, sometimes you just got to get it in. You know what I mean? You can sometimes, take you can take the seatbelt off on Easter. Yeah, right? I'm charismatic with a seatbelt, but sometimes, you know what I mean? The seatbelt just comes off, and Holy I get a, little, get a little excited. So that is some of the old Justin. Um, when I was youth pastor, I, I was pretty much... That's how my wife learned, like, to like sing like she does right. because she's very calm, she's very reserved, 
And I used to literally just like be it right there at the front of the stage going, come on, right. come on, you better bring it. You know, right. like, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, that's my, one, that's probably my favorite song right now. Yeah. I, and it's just graves into gardens. You know what I mean? It's just so powerful, I think. And on Easter Sunday and you see that candle come back in after it went out on, on good Friday, uh, it's a little caught up. I had some family come and they're just like, man, I thought it was more going to be reserved, but your pastor was really into it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, let's go get after it. Yeah. I got into it a little bit. So, so we'll go with that. Yeah. I knew you always got to bring that kind of stuff up, dude. (laughs) That was awesome. You got to. (laughs) We got to bring it to the podcast. Oh man. Yeah. So I'm a little more, you know, in control and reserved than I used to be. And so I was shaking my head at myself uh, yesterday when I was thinking about it. I was like, what did I do? But it's all right. Happens one time a year. You never know. All right. So anyways, back to the sermon. Uh, Thoughts on the sermon? Yeah, I think um, at least for me and my family, uh, Lent was probably appropriately fruitful for us. Um, and produce the things that Lent is supposed to produce, I think. Um, and then so that all kind of coming to a climax on Good Friday and then getting to Sunday and hearing about how what, what, like what we took away is that on Friday, Jesus purchased our adoption. And I don't know that I think that that made the all the stuff we were going through, all the stuff that was good that was produced in us through Lent, all the stuff that was probably sinful or um, bad that was produced from just realizing your own mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was all just kind of come up with like, but you're adopted though. So, yeah. Um, Not on how well you did Lent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, thank God. <clears throat> right? But, yeah. <clears throat> I thought it was good just because, uh, you know, when you talk about family and it's, you know, I've been here since the church started back with you at, you know, um, Kingdom Youth and just to kind of see like what that looks like, you know, when you're even, you know, Jesus is saying, who is my brother, who are my sisters, who is my mother, you know, and he's talking about the people that are right there with him and uh, for you to break that down in a way that you did with like, you know, bring yourself into the, the sermon about the wrestler and, you know, what it looked like that, I mean, all the things that God did in your heart throughout that process for you to be able to um, get to where you are to, you know, plant the church and to um, just kind of show an example of what that family should look mm-hmm. like from Scripture. Because sometimes it's really hard to, like, wh- what does that really look like, you yeah. know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's a big difference between the, the- theological truth and the lived-out reality, the practical the practical piece of that, of what, of what it looks like. I think many people, I, 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 so I remember when I was reading uh, Knowing God by Packer, mm-hmm. and I read that chapter on adoption, and he said, I quoted him, but he said, is it a bunch in there, like, basically, this is the greatest truth of the gospel, this should make your heart sing more than anything else, like, yeah. and I'm like, oh, crap, because I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm adopted, but forgiven, being forgiven, that's the main thing, I'm forgiven, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, 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 you don't get it if you think being forgiven is the main thing, um, no, being adopted, loved and cared for by a kind and compassionate father, that's the main thing. And it, it caused me to like, Hmm, okay. I obviously don't get this. Yeah. 
um, like I think I do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, it, so it's, um, yeah, so anytime I get to talk about it, I'm excited to talk about it. But, you know, it was, uh, right now we're working through the fundamental series. We started out with the mission of God. Mm-hmm. Then we went, God's mission has a church. And now we're, we're into the, I, basically it's going to be the identities and rhythms piece. Like yeah. the identities that the gospel creates in us and family, missionary, servants, and learners. And so this week was family. And it was just the third week, you know, it was the third week in the series. So I have to preach, I have to preach the family identity, right? but I'm also aware that it's Easter. And so we don't do anything special, you know what I mean? For Easter. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to preach the gospel and mm-hmm. preach the family identity. And so I, that's one of the reasons I started with kind of like, I started with, you know, the telling the story about the girl I was talking to that thought all religions were the same. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Except for Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of unpacked the gospel right away. Boom. Yeah. You know, and I'm doing that because I know, or I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of visitors that are coming in, they think the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every religion is pretty much the same. You just choose one, you know, yeah. it's no big deal. And so I wanted to, that's a defeater belief basically. And I wanted to unpack, um, that belief in a way that that was they didn't like make them look dumb mm-hmm. but it showed just the the absolute uniqueness and distinction distinctiveness of of christianity yeah. i thought it was so good because you're just like all these other religions do 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 and then jesus is like done mm-hmm. and to hear that is just you know it just it just gives you a, it's more freeing um, compared to a lot of the other religions where it's just like, oh, I'm stressed out. I got to do all these different things. Yeah. Well, that's what I hoped would happen. And then also with people who, they're Christians and they don't even understand that. Mm-hmm. They're Christians and they think Christianity is about doing. You know, right. they think Christianity is about trying. They think mm-hmm. Christianity is about being a better person. And so you can't even, they couldn't even tell you what's different about it. Why yeah. did even Jesus have to die right. if we have to earn our salvation? So I hope that's what I hope to do on Easter. Give a clear gospel presentation, but then make it. But then also I had to come. But then this part was kind of unique was then I had to do the family piece, you know, and and be like, you need to be a part of the church. Yeah. Like if you want to be a Christian, you need to be a part of the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're part of the family. So and there's some good reasons to be a part of the family. You think you can kind of like expand on uh, just kind of talking through like what the family looks like, I guess, in a, a missional community type setting that you were kind of, you are hitting on, but I guess to go a little bit deeper mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, well, the simple answer is a missional community cares for each other like family. Yeah. The problem is your family of origin shapes what you think that looks like, mm-hmm. you know? There are some people who are raised in a more, like, I would say, like a libertarian type of family where it's like everybody does their own things and and all you do is create an atmosphere for other people to, like, to be who they want to be and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and everybody's kind of earning their own way. And it's just, as long as you don't get in my way, I won't get in your way. And it's just kind of like, you know, a family like that. Um, I don't think that's adequate. I think biblically, 
when he t- when the when scripture talks about family, we see really clear pictures of that in the New Testament of what it looks like to live as family with one another. You're sharing your goods with one another. You're yeah. paying off each other's debts. You're eating together, praying together, preaching the gospel to each other. You're you're um, rebuking one another. You know, you're challenging one another to growth and godliness. Um, but then simple things is like uh, you're around each other kind of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like for too long, the church has been a place where you just show up one day a week. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of freaking family is that? Right. Um, and so you, you need to be around people for like, you know, I, we say like three to five times. Like you should be seeing people like three to five times a week. People in your missional community. And that might be on Sunday, and then you're in your missional community gathering. That's two right there. If you're in a fight club, boom, there's three. And then if you join the same gym or you go shopping in the same place, you go to the same coffee shop, boom, there's four. You know what I mean? And this isn't like, oh, my gosh, that sounds exhausting. I like the people in my missional community. Yeah. Like, I want to be around them. I enjoy smoking cigars with them or working out with them. Um, I've got one young buck. Uh Palmer student, he's in our missional community. He, uh, I invited him to come jujitsu with me. Mm-hmm. He came to jujitsu, and then he came the next day. Came the next day. I come back uh, from my little vacation. He's got a gi on. I'm like, what? He joined the gym. You know, yeah, he, that's cool. He joined the jujitsu gym, and so I, so today I go to jujitsu. I see him, and there's this other guy that I've been smoking cigars with, and he came to the gym too. I told my sensei Travis that he's gonna have to put me on the payroll because there you, go. you know what I mean. Um, Another guy from AMC uh, came last week. I don't know if he's going to join or not, but we're just seeing each other a lot, like family mm-hmm. would. And when you're that, give, that opens up the opportunity for discipleship in ways that just coming on Sunday could never do it. I like the way you explain that because um, for a lot of people, when they hear you uh, say that, it, to them it could be like, I got to add more things. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's like, no, I'm just being intentional about what I'm doing and inviting people in and being where people are. Right. So that's the difference between having programs mm-hmm. and Bible studies and classes and Sunday school and all these things the church puts on, they're not all bad, but most of the time they just make people busy yep. and they don't actually, and it's, and there are more things to do. There's just more things mm-hmm. to do. I'm already going to work out. Right. He's already going to work out. We're just now going to do it together. Mm-hmm. That's what family does. I'm already going to eat dinner or eat lunch. You know, when I'm here and I'm, a lot of times I work out over my lunch, but I'm, if I'm here over lunch and I'm going to go to lunch, I'm grabbing somebody. Hey, you want to go to lunch? You want to go to lunch? Right. I don't want to just go to lunch by myself. I'm, as, I'm already going to eat. He already needs to eat or she needs to eat. Let's just go to lunch together. Um, really simple ways that you act like family. And we, we obviously, when, when somebody has a baby, like this, this Sunday, it was really, really exhausting for me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to get up. 5.30 a.m. I'm preaching two services. Amanda's singing two, two services. And we've got five kids. One of them is six weeks old. So all of them want to get their Easter clothes on, you know, and they got they got to do hair and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How, how is this even going to work? She's got to be here like at 7 a.m. To, to rehearse. Right. How are we even going to do this? Well, thankfully, we had a lot of we had a lot of family help. Literally, my mom, um, so my daughter, my oldest daughter Zoe, got up at five thirty with us, got herself completely dressed, got herself ready, and then watched the baby with Amanda. Came to the church early with the with the baby, 
took care of the baby while Amanda's doing rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Rehearsals. My mom comes like an hour before service, gets the other girls ready to come, brings them to church. Then while we're in service, we've got guy people in my missional community going up to Zoe. Hey, it's my turn. Can I have the baby now? Can I have the baby? Right. You know, like my missional community knows. Well, one, they love they love babies and they want to play with our baby, right? But also, mom's on stage singing. Dad's down there front. He's got to preach. Zoe's had the baby all morning. I'm going to go over there and just help with the baby, you know? And that's just stuff family does, mm-hmm. right? Same thing with making dinners for one another. When somebody gets sick or when you've got a baby, they make dinners for one another. Um, they open up and share normal life together. They play together. They do game nights together. Um like when you look at Jesus and the way he lived as a family with his disciples, he did kind of everything with them, right. celebrated with them, ate with them, taught with them, um, suffered with them. You know, he did all kind of stuff. What do you, what do you say to the the person that is, um, you know, wants all those things, but like it's, their schedule doesn't fit to, you know, add more of those type of things. Hmm. And they're an MC, and it's hard for them to, you know, be in that community of doing those things with people. Well, it just depends. I mean, obviously, you I, in a theoretical example, I I can't just slap a prescription to it, but it totally depends. One, I would say it could like you need to reevaluate your priorities, man. Like this is what life is about, right? You know? And and here's the deal: all of us will need a family at some point. Yep. You go through a divorce, you go through a, a devastating loss, a career loss, something. And guess what? If you haven't invested in a family, there literally might not, nobody will be there for you. Right. Like, And you'll be totally alone and feel really isolated. This is what happens to all these young people that move to big cities to try to make it and be cool and be in a cool place. All of a sudden they realize their money starts wearing out, they start getting lonely, and they realize, oh yeah, this is a cool city, but nobody knows me here. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I could start over and start this whole new life. Yeah, you did, but now you've got no family, you got no friends, you got no community, yeah. and so there could be like you just need to radically recalculate your values and and kind of invest in God's family because that's what you're called to do, and this is what yeah. life's all about. But then there could be reason you could be a military guy, you could have some some important and intense job that you know works create works funky hours and. Um, I would say you need to sit down. I mean, I don't even know how, I would just say you got to sit down and figure it out. So again, no matter where you are, who you are, you're eating three meals a day. Mm -hmm. Eat. Okay. Instead of going out for lunch, go to breakfast. You know I mean? You work all night, go out to breakfast with somebody from a missional community. Right. Get a cigar before you go to work with somebody. Go golfing. You know, like anybody that's got a well-rounded life, they've got to be having some time for recreation, some time for, you know, hobbies and stuff sometime for eating, et cetera, et cetera. Just figure, when, whenever you're doing that, figure out how to involve somebody else. Yeah, that's it. good. Where, do, where does this um, kind of new adopted family we've been brought into, how does that compare against, like, your blood family? Especially, like, lost blood family. Yeah. Well, in one sense, it should take precedent over your lost blood family because you've been united by the blood of Christ and so the spiritual bond that we have now, we're now born of the spirit, right? And, and being born of the spirit is eternal and being born of the blood is just not, right? And so there should be a sense where um, our bond is greater with other Christians and our Christian family than it is with our own family. 
But then again, when we're brought into the family, that family is also a missionary family. And so we're called to be on mission to those in our family, right? And so we want to be making time for them to reach them for, this, for the sake of the gospel, right? Um, but yeah, and I think Jesus showed that when he's doing ministry and hey, your mom and your brothers and sisters are outside. And he's like, who are my brother, my mother, my brother, sister? These are the ones that do the will of the Father. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's... Um, now, there's one thing I would say. There, there is like an old-timey mentality, mostly seen in pastors, where pastors, quote-unquote, sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. Um, that I, that's not putting God's family... That's the wrong way to put God's family before your family. That's like a sinful way to do it. And it's usually because the pastor finds his identity in his job and being needed and wanted and valued by his congregation. So he spends more time with them than he does with his own sons, right? He's always at the office counseling, always studying, always doing this, can never throw the baseball, can never wrestle in the yard, can never go for bike rides. Um, that's not what I'm saying when I say that um, that the spirit trumps blood. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So, so do you think there's ever going to be like a time of seasons that you'll go in and out of um, with, you know, spending a lot of time with, you know, I guess your, your church family and, you know, in missional community and doing all these things. And then there's seasons where you, you're just not. Well, I don't think that would be, I don't think that would be good. I think, I think if you could be providentially hindered, right? Obviously we know that we COVID COVID, you know, added some difficulty to us, right? Mm-hmm. In this past year of being really living as a family. <laughs> it's hard to live as a family if you're scared of somebody. I'm scared I could get it, get the virus from you. If you're scared of someone, that's really hard to be in community and be on mission with that person. You know what I mean? Be a family with that person. So you could be providentially hindered, but I think it's very dangerous. And I, I mean dangerous because we're always creating rhythms. Mm-hmm. Like you're always a habitual animal that's creating habits. And, and it's very easy to create bad habits. You know, it's very, and a bad habit would be like just staying at home, watching uh, church online, not being involved in community. And you just get, you know, that, that becomes your new normal. And then it's like getting, it's like getting really overweight. Like, you know, in the winter or something, you put on like 40 pounds and then all of a sudden, actually, it's a show I've been watching. My kids have been watching called Fit to Fat to Fit. And these trainers that are super jacked, yeah, you see it? Mm-hmm. They like, they they want to train this overweight person to get fit. But it, before they do it, they gain like 40 to 50 pounds themselves. And so they try to get back in shape with the overweight person. And this guy, could, you know, could do burpees forever. doing all this, And then he gains 40 pounds. And his first workout back, he's dying. Yeah. Because... You know, fitness is an investment you make every day. They say it's rented. Fitness is rented. It's not bought. So you're, you're never, if you stop investing, you'll get out of shape like this. You know what I mean? Right. It's rented. You got to pay the price every single day to be in shape. So you create those bad habits. Now, all of a sudden, you've got 50 extra pounds on you. 
you go out, you, oh, I'm just going to go run a mile. Yeah, right you are. You go out there and you, you think you're going to die. Right. And then them donuts look so good on the counter that you've been eating. And then all, and all of these bad habits kind of compile and it makes it so much more difficult to get back into shape. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens. You get lazy. You, you stop investing in your missional community. God made us in such a way that where we invest ourselves, that's where our heart goes. Right? Like where your treasure is, there your heart goes. So if you're investing in your missional community, you're going to love your missional community. If you're staying at home and not investing, you're not going to love your missional community. Right. You know, it's just so it's, we have to be really careful um, that we're, we're continually investing. And that's, I think this is one of the greatest problems for pastors. Um, quite frankly, I'm one of the only pastors that I know that, um, that are my age that are still in a missional community. They're mm. still living in a missional community. They're not like, oh yeah, you know, missional communities for everybody else, but the pastor, you know, maybe the him, the elders are my missional community or something like that. Right. And uh, so many senior pastors, they have small groups and they have these different things, but then they don't go to a missional community themselves. They don't mm. go to a special small group themselves. And uh, I think that's hypocritical. I think it's, Unhealthy. I think it's dangerous for a pastor to not be in a missional community and be known by people. Right. And like, I'm still doing the same stuff I was doing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm still inviting people to church. I'm still meeting new people and making disciples and, and people still know me in my missional community, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think that's really important to be, even as the church grows, to still continuing living as family, yeah. you know? I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people is just to be known and to know that you're jacked up too. And then when you said uh, in your sermon, it's like, cheer up. You're worse than you ever thought. (laughs) I was just like, ah, mic dropper. That's so good. (laughs) Yeah, I added that little cheer up part. Like, cheer up. You're worse than you think. or You're worse than you thought. The first service cracked up when I said it. The second service just kind of went... It was like, and I was like, but you're more loved than you can ever imagine. Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah. And you know what? The Lord, the Lord, um, is always, uh, faithful in reminding you of that, you know? Um, and if you don't, uh, you know, some, some, some person, uh, some anonymous person, Today, I think the I think the guys showed me the guy showed me it to, today that some anonymous person posted some um, ugly, ugly review on like Google review or whatever on us, and uh, you know said said uh, oh yeah you know there's some good godly people at that church but you know the pastors you know arrogant or proud or you know spiritually narcissistic and all all this kind of stuff and. And, uh, you know, anonymous person, you know, I have no, I have no idea who it is and I can get offended by that. I could get hurt by that, you know, or I can just go, you know what? He doesn't know the half of it. Actually, Mm -hmm. I'm worse than I thought. Cheer up. I'm worse than I thought, (laughs) Right. but I'm more loved than I can imagine. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a truth that God will continually remind you of and you just got to. And it helps you go deeper in the gospel. You know, you just, you're more thankful for your adoption yeah. when you realize the depths of your sin that, man, he didn't adopt me because I was awesome or uh, that I'm great or that I could, 
I was ever going to do something amazing. He just did it because he loves me. And he, yeah. know, he knew I was this bad when he adopted me, mm-hmm. you know? And thankfully, by God's grace, I'm, in one sense, I'm better than I was a year ago. I'm better than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. But I can still see the darkness of my heart. I can still see the depths of my sin. And I actually can even see it, you know, in greater ways now than I could five or 10 years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so is there anything else that you uh, kind of wanted to go in depth on with family that you, maybe you didn't because, you know, the world is selling us this this world's truth compared to what the truth is, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of people are believing that truth and making it, you know, their truth instead of the truth. Yeah. Well, one I wanted to kind of unpack, I did a little bit. One of the reasons why they're afraid, many people are afraid to join a church. They're afraid to make a commitment. They don't know why. Mm -hmm. They're just afraid of it. They're afraid to be known. Mm -hmm. They're afraid people are going to figure out that they're sinful or something or that they, they got issues, right? And so I, I tried to do that illustration of the two glasses of water mm-hmm. that everybody's kind of afraid of being bumped, yeah. you know? And, and when, if you bump a dirty glass of water, dirty water spills out. And instead of fearing being bumped, you know, you can just own it and believe the gospel that says, yeah, you're full of dirty water, but God saves you, forgives you, gives you this new family and gives you the gospel that gives you forgiveness when you, when you sin, you know, as opposed to what's in our society now that if you can, it's like the modus operandi in the, in the, in the culture right now is find out somebody's sin and then crucify them for it. Cancel them. Cancel them. That's it. Kevin Hart. Whoever, it is, I mean, it's it's all over about it. Kevin Hart was a couple years ago, but yeah, Nick Cannon is earlier. I mean, it's recent. been, but it's 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 every day. Yeah. I, recently, I just saw one that was like, a, like they pulled up somebody's tweets from when they were like sixteen, and it's like, first off, I thank God I didn't have Twitter when I was sixteen. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I was. Oh Lord, I'd be in freaking jail right now if. if people knew what I was doing. I was making works bombs and doing all kinds of stupid stuff at that age. But, um, but yeah, it's just pull it up, pull up their past, find their, find out they're a sinner and then cancel. And, um, and everybody's afraid. I think everybody's afraid of that. They're afraid of joining a church and then getting canceled or, or people find out they're sinful and surprise. We already know you're sinful. Right. <laughs> the Bible already shows us what's in your heart, bro. Yeah. So you're not better than the Bible says you are. Mm-hmm. So, Cheer up. You're worse than you thought, but you're more loved than you can even imagine. And why don't you join a community of people that's built on the gospel that believes that, and we can start there and have a great community, you know? So that's that's my hope. And my and the, my other hope is, like, we can do this so well that the world looks in and goes, whoa, that's different. Yeah. That's people really human, being really human, like, in a unique way. And their hair isn't on fire all the time, like, freaking out. And they're loving one another, and, you know, that looks like a good way to live. Yeah. Right? And we could say, yeah, it's because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think there's, like, a like a false view of family that people kind of bring in. Like, like that that is one of the, like, walls they have to, or hurdles they have to jump over for 
things like MC, like when you say family, like the picture we've kind of painted, if you don't like, if you aren't a part of a missional community, you can think, oh, we're going to be sitting around singing Kumbaya around the fire. It's going to be lovely. Yeah. But like, it's actually, you're going to be, there's going to be dirty water everywhere. Yeah. There's that. But it's also like, when we say family, we don't mean like some kind of weird spiritual cultish thing. Like, like it's, when you come to missional community, even if you're a hardened atheist, half of the time, maybe 75% of the time, you're going to be like, well, this is awesome. You're eating together. You're not just sitting eating together talking about the Bible. Yeah. You're, you're eating good food that people put their creativity and their money and their effort into making something good. And it's tasty food. And you're going to be sitting down there enjoying it. Who made this? What is this? This is delicious. Man, how, what was, how was your day? What was your, what would you do today? What's going on in your life? How's the kids? What's that? Just normal family life. Talking like, I mean, for me, this is normal. Like last night, Easter, I go over to my parents' house. It's the kind of stuff we talk about, right? great food, talk about what's going on in everybody's life, talk about the news, weather, whatever. You do that, right? And then you're going to come together and you're going to pray for a little bit. But but as you're praying, you're kind of sharing what's going on in your life, man. Yeah. We're having this problem, this stuff, pray for us here. That feels really human. It feels mm-hmm. really, you know, normal in a sense. Yeah. Now, praying might not be no. I think praying is normal for everybody. Even if they're an atheist, they probably, they, they, they pray to something. You know, and then, you know, either a lesson or, or letting somebody share their story or whatever that p- might weird a person out a little bit. Uh, but sometimes it's just game night, just hanging out and have a good time. That's what families do. Yeah. You know, and that's what the church is. The church, and that's what the world needs to experience the church as a network of relationships. It's a family of, of people, you know? So, uh, and it's just really centered on grace and the gospel. And I'll and I say for me, like when I first, you know, we start getting into missional communities and kind of walking through things like for me, it was a scare because it was, you know, all these people just want to get in my business. Yeah. It just being nosy, you know, like what the heck is this about? You know, because the thing about it is like with, you know, my background is, you know, whatever happens in the house stays in the house, you know, and that was the, the rhythm that I've always, you know, kept until I kind of seen this grace piece and the love of other people that didn't even really know me. And, and the more you experience that, it's just it's like, oh, this is good. Yeah, that's good. See, that, that, that mentality right there, what happens in the house stays in the house. I, understand, I, I get that, but that creates a sense of, like, people can't really know me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm somebody different outside of the house as I am inside the house. Well, a Christian wants to be an integrated person, have integrity. And integrity means you're the same wherever you're at. Right. Um, and I try to be the same wherever yeah. I am. When I'm on stage, when I'm at home with my kids, when I'm on vacation, I'm pretty, I feel like I'm, I, I don't put on airs for anybody. I'm, right. I'm, and it gets me in trouble sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but I am who I am. Um, and that's, this is the person, uh, you know, this is just the person I am. And so in missional community, it's the, it's the same way. You know, we want to bring our true self into that yeah. and not, I used the illustration in the sermon yesterday of the, of the, the mom, you bring, you know, the first time mom or whatever, you bring her the meal and she like won't let you into the house because she's right. she's afraid you're gonna. My see house is dirty. <laughs> she's afraid you're gonna see the house is dirty, and it's like I've seen a dirty house because I just came from one, you know. So it's like right. uh, I ain't worried about that. And mm-hmm. as as a, as your brother in Christ, you know, uh, it, it, I ain't gonna judge you. I ain't gonna judge you over it. So, any other thoughts on the sermon? I think it's about time, probably. Anything else? Nothing. All right. So 
That was Beyond the Sermon, Family Identity, Easter Sunday. I hope you joined us. It was a, just a really a great celebration. Friday was sad and somber, and the team just did an amazing job. Music selection, the readers, everybody did great. And uh, two services, record crowd there. And then Sunday morning, just such a celebration. Um, worship team did a fantastic job. Um, everything was just, you know, went, went pretty well overall. Another uh, record crowd. It was so good to be back together after a year of COVID and just really thankful. What the Lord, one crazy thing, we had 162 kids wow. on Sunday. Just insane. It's a lot. It's insane. Yeah. So the Lord is good. Uh, we're going to enjoy this. It was a, uh, a great day. And uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do the rest of the year, asking to bring renewal. So if you got any questions on the family identity or the sermon, email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. Uh, we love you guys. Hopefully this was uh, helpful. God bless.